Hey, folks, how's it going? I am re-releasing this short, but I think good interview I did with Jerry Lewis, who has uh, passed away. He was 91. He lived a long time. Uh, there are very few people that uh, who have no feelings about Jerry Lewis. You either hate him or you love him, but you have an opinion. Now, I didn't really know much about Jerry Lewis. I knew who he was. I knew what he did. I'm not sure he was exactly my kind of comedy, but as I got older and when I got the opportunity to talk to him and really looked at his career and what he contributed to filmmaking and to comedy and to, you know, comedy teams, Martin and Lewis were tremendous. They were, they were an awesome force in comedy. Jerry Lewis's movies are very well appreciated by people who, who like movies uh, he did some very unusual things. He did some things technically that were very groundbreaking and still used today. He started in vaudeville, I believe, or going back that far. And no matter how you feel about Jerry Lewis, whether you hate him or you love him, because he was a difficult man, there's not very many good interviews. He was notoriously uh, uh, difficult in interviews. But no matter how you feel about him, there's one thing that you got to you got to say that you got to realize that there was nobody like Jerry Lewis. There was nobody like, there is no other Jerry Lewis's. He was it. He was an original, an authentic, whatever he was, physical comedian, entertainer, clown, filmmaker, screenwriter, whatever you want to say about him. He lived a long time. He had a lot of opinions, but there was nobody like Jerry Lewis. Now, we're reposting this, and it didn't it, it didn't go up that long. It was never released as a a full interview because it wasn't. And what was surrounding that, I'll I, I'll tell you again, the opportunity to to, to interview him came uh, around a junket that he was doing for a film that he made a few years ago called Max Rose, and he did a great job in that movie. But this was our window. You, you know, we were pitched. Do you want to interview Jerry Lewis? And we said yes. Our interviews are about an hour long. We need to. You know, sit down with him, preferably at the garage. Well, that wasn't going to happen. They said we could do it at the Beverly Hills Hotel, I think it was. And we we requested that he not do any interviews before because I've dealt with people his age before. They get tired. And I got there and the publicist had, you know, had him in a room with USA Today. And I said, how long has he been in there? And they said like an hour. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing to me? You're killing me. I didn't say that. I said, uh, that why that wasn't this is going to be a problem. They're like, no, no, no. He's doing great. He's doing great. So we sat down, we got off to a good start. It was rolling. It was great. And then like a half an hour in, he goes, that's it. Out of nowhere in the middle of everything. I don't think he was being difficult during the interview. I think that I got through to him and I think he was having a nice time. I think he had it in his head that it was a half an hour. I don't think it was personal. He may have had to go to the bathroom. He may have been tired. I, I do. Th I really feel like he had it in his head that it was a half hour. Either way, it was abrupt. I was left hanging but this is what we got, and this is very recent, uh, this conversation with Jerry. I sat down with him. It was about a year ago this week. In my calendar, it says we did the interview August 25th, 2016. So this is me and Jerry Lewis having a truncated conversation on, uh, because uh, he truncated it, but I think it is Jerry in good form. He's connected. We're having a conversation, and he's not being difficult. 
He's being Jerry Lewis. So rest in peace, Jerry Lewis, and uh, I hope you people enjoy this if you haven't heard it before. It was an honor uh, to talk to him, and I'm sorry that it didn't go on longer, but, but this is what we got. For, for somebody, uh, uh, a performer like yourself, to do a restrained performance yeah. must take a lot of focus. It does. Uh, in the sense that uh, the impulse is to be funny, I imagine. Oh, of course. That's how you make your living, and that's how you make your life. And then they ask you not to do it. <laughs> Turn it off. It's a <laughs> really incredible feeling, and it's wonderful. It's, it's, it's like taking a vacation. <laughs> so it's a good thing. Yes. They, now, in in life, do you ever are you do you ever find reason to turn that off? The oh, funny, sure. yeah, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't belong everywhere. I know. Well, how long did it take you to learn that one? I think probably fifteen or twenty years. Oh, really? Yeah, right. <laughs> it takes a long time to get that as part of your everyday thought process. Well, especially because if you're a naturally funny person and, and on top of that a performer. Uh, and you have to bury it. Right. Or put it on hold is always a strange feeling. And yet when you do it, you get great satisfaction out of it working. Right. In life and, in on, and on screen. Right. Because I, I know that, you know, because I do stand up myself. And I actually saw Jeff Ross last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I He's was, so good. Isn't he? Old style. Mm-hmm. He's one of the only guys that does it like that anymore. Yeah, he's wonderful. Because uh, I told him I was going to talk to you today, and I go, how is Jerry? He goes, he's great. He's great the last time we had, he said he had a birthday for you. Yeah. Was that fun? We had a great time. Who came? Everybody. Yeah? Jesus Christ, I wouldn't even begin to tell you who was there. Jesus Christ was there? No, he meant to come, but I think he had another <laughs> engagement. <laughs> and did they, uh, did they roast you, or did they just? No. It was a straight, wonderful tribute, and uh, one of those tributes that you you remember the rest of your life. Oh, that's sweet. You know, in watching the film about, you know, uh, you know I, I found it uh, horrifying and compelling, the idea of, uh, of, a, of a man of, of your age finding this horrible thing out mm-hmm. and, and then having that fester. Uh, do you, in your life... Uh, yeah, how far back do you, do, you, do your memories go? You know, in terms of like, yeah, I'm from New Jersey. Do you remember Newark when you were a kid? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever go back there? Clinton Avenue. Clinton Avenue, in Newark. My grandfather's from Elizabeth, uh-huh. which is, I think, down the street, basically. Elizabeth was to the right, and then Newark is to the left. And when you were there, you know, what what was the neighborhood like? What were you where were your parents from? Where were they from? Yeah, were they uh, were they immigrants or no? No, they came f- straight from Brooklyn. Uh huh. And what kind of business were they in? My dad and my mom were both show people. And did you? Uh, yeah. How 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 young were you when you started getting involved? Five. Five. Yep. You were doing stage work. Yep. What What were you doing? I was doing a sketch with my dad, and uh, a song. Yeah. And. Uh, I have great recollection of that night. It was a Saturday night. It was at the uh, Swan Lake Hotel. Is that in the Catskills? Yep. Yeah. 
And I went on stage and did a song, and the song was, it was the theme song of depression. It was called Brother Can You Spare a Dime. Right. I did it, and the audience loved it. How do you not love a five-year-old in a tuxedo? How do you not be a hit, for Christ's sakes? I was a hit before I went on. <clears throat> and the wonderful part about that was that it is the only recollection I have of that period. Because most people forget stuff. Right, of being five. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. I don't understand how I remember that. And most people tell me it was because it was so emotionally, uh, it, it was emotionally, um, what's the word I'm looking Satisfying. For? Yeah, satisfying. And at the same time, you have to be careful. Yeah. Uh, to, to put a kid out on stage, it, it comes with a couple of negative thought processes that go on in the audience, I'm right. sure. Like, Why are they working the kid? Yeah. Well, my mom and dad got $40 for the show and 10 extra if the kid went on. <laughs> well, there you go. There's your answer. You bet. <laughs> what was your dad's, what was their act without you? Everything. Just a variety show. He was everything. He was my mentor, my teacher. And every time he went on, I learned something. Yeah, and how long did he stay in show business? His whole life? His whole life, oh yeah. How old were you when, when he passed away? Ah, oh, Jesus. My dad was 83 when he passed away. Oh, that's a good run. And my mom was 82. I don't remember. How, I don't know. Let's do had the, you, had you, have you Had you had success yet? Were you uh, you already working? You know when they. Oh yeah. Oh, so they saw you. Oh God, yes. So did they? So did they live long enough to see you with Dean and everything? Oh yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, that was great. I I loved that they made it. Yeah, to see that. In 1946. Yeah. I think that was the last time my my folks performed. Oh really? Yeah. So were they doing the, the, the big uh, sort of theaters in New York after? You know? No, 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 no. They were, they were Borscht-style performers. Right. They were in line with Red Skelton and, and uh, so many other performers. Did and they do Yiddish? They did when necessary, yeah. <laughs> if they had to. Oh, yeah, of course. You get to a, a thousand Jews, you got to do something to let them know you appreciate it. <laughs> and when did you sort of start, uh, you know, do you remember the other acts that were your parents' contemporaries that had an impact on you? Like doing the Borscht Belt, like who were the other acts that you, you don't remember? I have no idea. All I can talk to you about is my mom and dad. Right. That's all I saw. That's all I allowed into my brain. And if I saw another performer who was really good, I just saw him at that moment and would not take anything from him because it didn't compare to what my folks did. Yeah, there's a double thing there, the emotional connection with your parents. And right. They, they were the best. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> oh, God. When did you start doing your own uh, acts? How old were you? Uh, 14. And what was it? A record act. I did mime two recordings. Popular records of the day. Yeah. And you just, uh, that's where you develop the 
Slapstick act. That's where I developed mime. Mime. Yeah, I worked very hard on learning the beauty of pantomime. Really? Yeah. How'd you study that? You just, uh, on your own? You just see all those that did it. Yeah. And you did your own version of what you saw them do. And where were you performing at 14? In the Boar Circuit. Oh, really? Yeah. Up in the Catskills? Right. On your own? Did you, were you an opening act? Were you a headliner? No, I was with my mom and dad. Okay. So you were part of the show? Yeah, of course. When did it start to, uh, to sort of take off? I mean, what, what, what were the rooms you were working? Were you doing the dinner clubs? I was doing dinner clubs, yeah. The Glass Hat in New York at the Belmont Plaza. Uh, the, uh, the culinary room at the, at the um, Copley Plaza in Boston. Right. Uh, all, of the, all of the good places, I made sure that I didn't get into the, the necessary work where you did it because it was necessary right? versus doing it because you loved it. Right. And did you have to deal with, like, did you do, like, some of those larger dinner clubs, the, the kind of mob-owned circuit at the time, like in Florida and in all those rooms in Ohio and those kind of, that, wasn't there a whole circuit of dinner clubs? That oh, kind yeah. Of, yeah. I didn't play them all, but I did play some of them. Uh-huh. Do you remember those being good experiences? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Every time I went on stage was a great experience. Really? No matter what happened out there, I I was taught by my dad, be grateful that they let you go there. Uh Uh-huh. And be grateful that they applaud for you. Yeah. And be grateful that you're going to do it again. Those are recollections I get from my dad. Those are lessons in show business. Yep. And when did you start, like... When did it act, like when were you getting notoriety on your own, outside of your uh, working with your mom and dad? When were you sort of, uh, you know, that Jerry Lewis, he's something. Not until it was Martin and Lewis. I, yeah, I, you know, I sometimes, uh, you know, I watch, uh, you know, they, uh, they do that offer on television with the roast and the D. Martin show. Yeah. And, and I, didn't, I don't remember that when I was a kid. I'm 52. And I watched, uh, I watched a lot of them. You're 52? I'm 52. You look every fucking day of I it. appreciate it, and you look every day of 80. <laughs> 80? I know, I know. Give me a compliment. Give me 10 more years. All right, 90. Right. You don't look 90. I don't feel 90. Well, the one thing that, like, was, uh, I think that you guys, you and Dean, you know, did something with comedy that never been done before. Right. I mean, you're, you're like, big as the fucking Beatles. Well... We had something going for us yeah. that I doubt there were people in the business that ever went for the same reasons. Dean and I loved one another with a kind of love that is very difficult to describe. And we were, we were rooting performers. When he was on, I was rooting like I never even saw him before and vice versa. And we had great respect for one another's information. What he knew versus what I knew. And he knew very little about show business. And he called me the preacher. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because you grew up in it. Huh? You grew up in it. You knew. Oh, of course. Yeah. And anything to do with sets, lights, performing, the elements, Uh what it takes, before you even include the material. Yeah. 
And Dean loved all of it and loved learning it. Uh-huh. And he loved showing me he had it. Right. And vice versa. We had the greatest relationship of any two men that ever lived, and we took it and turned it into gold. Do you miss them sometimes? A lot. Yeah? A lot. There must be a lot of people that, 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 have, that, have, that are no longer with us that you think about sometimes, huh? Oh, sure, sure. I, I just think it's so sad that we lose people that still have stuff to teach us. Right. You know, that's one of the things. I'm very selfish about the loss of an individual. Yeah. Because I think I'm not going to get stuff that he could have taught me. Right. But that's that's a very emotional place. Sure. And and like I imagine that, you know, it, it's it's wonderful when people live long enough to share the wisdom. Yeah. Oh, of course. If they share it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you were when you were performing with Dean, did yep. you guys I mean, because you improvise fairly freely. Oh, yeah. And 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 I imagine that the the symbiotic timing of you two, mm -hmm. like it had to be like a one mind thing. Like, oh, yes, it was like, you know, you'd go and he'd wait and then he'd nail his line. And then he. You just... And most of it happened spontaneously. Mm -hmm. And most of the great stuff was unprepared. Uh-huh. And we had such fun right. getting it to work. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, he used to do something that broke me up so badly I yeah. couldn't give him the next line. <laughs> and he had the best fun... He would tell me probably three times after a show yeah. how good I was. Oh, yeah. He was wonderful for your psyche and for your, <laughs> your ego and your vanity and all that stuff. He was brilliant in how he handled me. And he thought I was pretty smart how I handled him. And we cared desperately for one another. And, and in terms of the dynamic, were, did, were you insecure? I mean no. Christ Almighty, I had more guts than than Jimmy Doolittle. <laughs> so what, what about what about Dean? Was he uh, insecure? No. So you guys, so he, I, I, I always found him to be a very gracious entertainer when I watch him. I, you yeah. know, I don't know. Him. He was because he was happy to be there. Yeah. And he was there because he loved to be there. Yeah. So you spent, you know, almost a decade working with him? Ten years, yeah. And when that ended, you guys did several movies, mm -hmm. right? And they yeah, they were popular. That it seemed like movies just came out every year. Then you just kind of knock them out. Yeah, and it was a system to it. The studio system was different then. Right. They churn them out and they get them out as quickly as possible to just follow the success. That's why you become independent. Uh huh. And so which is what you did. Yeah. So when you you and Dean split for whatever reason. Um, the reasons that we split were very, very sensible. Yeah. They made great sense. I wanted to do more. Right. Dean wanted to do more. Right. He wanted to be more than a straight man. Right. He sang from his gut. Yeah. And loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved doing comedy. And the two of us with the two gloves that we had is what made us work. Right. Right, and at the time, you you guys felt like, well, we did it. Of course. And then you, good luck. And we we made uh, 
two and a quarter for the team in Atlantic City. That's a hundred and twelve thousand five hundred. And we'd split the two and a quarter. Yeah. And eleven months later, we were making twelve thousand dollars. And then the next figure was fifty thousand. Yeah. And then the next figure after that was a hundred and fifty thousand. And before you knew it, we were making three and a half, four million a year. Separately, together, together, yeah, and there, and you guys left at the top, Sep- right? Separately, I made nine dollars, <laughs> <laughs> but but you were passionate, you know. You believe- <laughs> oh yeah, but I gave the audience the same energy for the nine bucks that I got for four hundred thousand. What when you guys when you guys stopped working together, you were at the top of your game, right? Yeah. It wasn't mm-hmm. diminishing, so that's no. a smart thing to do. It was the top of our both of our games. Uh huh. And then, then you had some imitators. They just filled, tried to fill the void. Mm-hmm. I actually, I talked to Marty Allen a couple of years ago. He's, he, was, he was about 93. Was it then? It, yeah, well, it was like a year or so ago. Yeah, he's probably 94. Really? Now. Yeah. And he'll still throw out a hello there. A kid. funny kid. Funny Very kid. Very funny kid. He could dance. Yeah, he could. <laughs> he could. That was it wasn't good, but it, it looked interesting. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was such a nice guy too. He seems well, he seems to like to still be a nice guy. Yeah. So the shift out of the out of the team thing, where you where you knew exactly what you wanted to do. Oh yeah. Make movies. Yep. And do stand up live. Yep. And the first movies you made were not uh, written by you. You no. did. You did. No. You had a studio deal. Yes, I Howard wrote. My friend Irma, uh-huh. which was a radio program. Yeah. And we took it and put it into a film, which was My Friend Irma was our first film. Yeah. Did well? It did well, but not because of us. We were just beginning. Yeah. Know? But we had a lot of fun learning. Yeah. And, and when, how many, so you worked with him for a few movies? With Dean? No, not after Dean. On your own, with the studio deal. Oh, on my own? Yeah. Jesus Christ, I made 45 films. I know. But at the beginning, you were... You were I got the money on me. You do Good, good, because I, I, I can You use play it right, bucks. and you can get a good gratuity. <laughs> I work for tips. That's what I do. <laughs> That's all I was hoping for. You pay the valet That's for funny. me. funny. I work for tips. <laughs> So, but okay. So, you, with uh, when you started doing the movies on your own, I see. I don't know how the system worked because you 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 were involved with you signed a deal with a studio, I imagine. Paramount, right? and you did what? A dozen movies with Paramount. For Paramount, uh, Dean and I did sixteen. Mm-hmm. I did thirty-seven of your own. Yeah, that's that's incredible. So mm-hmm. you had this relationship with what was still the old guard, I imagine. Of uh, of Hollywood, you Barney like- Balaban was asked by the press, "How do you get along with Jerry Lewis?" He said, "If he wants to burn the studio, I'll give him the match." <laughs> so you were still hitting on all cylinders after oh, you and Christ. Dean broke. Absolutely. Now, when did you first start uh, directing yourself? And nineteen sixty. And was that the Bellboy? Yeah. Now, what? You know, how did how did that happen? You, was your contract done? 
with the studio, or you just no. you just said, I'm going to do it? I had a deal with Paramount that was verbal. Yeah. The contract that we had was Martin and Lewis and nothing on a single basis. Mm-hmm. And I went forward with that and took full advantage of it. And we became very strong friends. Barney Balbin was a master of, show, of showmanship, and he and I really hit it off. He was the head of the studio? Yep. He ran the whole Paramount organization. And any time I wanted anything, I'd call Barney, and it was done. Now, when he, when he spent time on the lot, on, down, what? on the lot, on the Paramount lot, if you yeah. went down there, down the street, yeah. who would you see hanging around? Who was around? Like, you know, what were the other stars? A lot of, a lot of movie stars. Grace yeah. Kelly. Yeah. Kirk Douglas. Burt Lancaster. Oh, my God. Uh, my dressing room was right next door to Bing Crosby. And on the other side was, um, was Ginger Rogers. Really? I mean, it was really a movie, m- movie studio. Right. And, it, and that was the community. You bet. Right next to Bing Crosby. Yeah. Did, you, <laughs> did he ever say to you, you know, Dean stole my thing? No. Oh, good. I never talked to him. He was, no? <laughs> he was an independent son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Not and, a nice guy. Well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I can only say I did not enjoy his company. Uh-huh. And he didn't, did not enjoy mine. No kidding. He feared I would take his tube off. Oh, <laughs> that's a, a big fear. Now, we went on and did a telethon for... Uh, needy children. Mm-hmm. I walked on stage and Bing ran the other way. No kidding. I never talked to him again. But he did that maliciously. No, I think he did it out of fear. Huh. He really feared that I was going to do something crazy. Nuts. Oh, right. To him. Right. It just, never, never would. But, right. But he's just a little nervous, control freak guy. Didn't, mm-hmm. didn't want yeah. to be uh, the guy who was the brunt of the joke. He had five sons that thought he was a schmuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what does that tell you? Right. <laughs> and he was like, well, he was in a team for years, too, with Bob Hope. Did you know Bob? Yeah, I knew Bob. He's a good guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. The best at what he did. Right? That one-liner stuff, right? Well, he he was... he. His entire career was predicated on what was happening in the world, and I think he was he was the best at that. Well, I noticed that you know in the film you got Mort Saul sitting there, yeah, and uh, he's a difficult man. I have not interviewed Mort Saul, and I wanted to interview Mort Saul. Well, he's nuts. <laughs> that I guess that's what the, that's he, another way to put he's it. He's not as nuts as I am because my nuts is to give people pleasure. His nuts is because he was in he was a an annoyed man. Yeah. Well, annoyed a, by the process and annoyed by life in itself. Yeah. He, he's also one of those guys, you know, not to, to, to be rude or anything. He seems to think that he's responsible for a great deal of things. Well, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> as long as he lives his life and doesn't step on anybody, it's fine. He's not stepping too hard right now. No. <laughs> Yeah, but it was nice to see him. It was nice to see him. It's yeah. nice to see people working. Right. You know, because I interviewed, I interviewed Shelly Berman a while back. Before, yeah. Before he got, you know, ill. And, uh, you know, the, you know you can, the, some of these guys carry things with them for a long time. Yeah. There's a lot of anger for I a long time. I think we're all 
guilty of that. Yeah? What do you got? Hmm? Who are you mad at? Who am I mad at? Yeah. Hitler. <laughs> That's a good one. Tojo. Uh-huh. Um, what do I want to talk about negative for? It's not negative. I just, you know, you're a long time in show business, you know. I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm in show business half, uh, you know, like 25 years, and, you know, I've got some things I can't let go of already. But I guess it's the Sophie, nature of it. Sophie Tucker was 56 years old, and she just wanted to fuck Dean. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's it? That's it. That's all I can give you about it. <laughs> so now, after you do the bellboy. Yeah. What was the story with that? You just pulled the cameras in. How was the first independent film made for you? I was, I was booked to play at the Fontainebleau right. in Miami. Florida, right. When I got there and I started to perform, mm -hmm. I had a four-week engagement there. And at the same time, I ran into some static from some of the creative people at Paramount. So I said, let me write my own movie. And I did. And in nine days, I wrote a 163-page script. Was it something in your mind before? You just said, what am I going to do? And you were standing, sitting at the hotel. You saw a bellboy or what? I looked at the hotel and said, I'll shoot everything here. And I did. And the movie made $200 million. So now you're a genius. Of course. They were scared to death at what I was doing. Why? Because they thought I was making a silent movie. I said, it's not a silent movie. Right. Because Jerry doesn't talk doesn't mean it's a silent movie. Right. Which it wasn't. But then when it went out and made all the money, they thought I was very smart. And this sort of defined you as a solo performer on screen. Right. Mm -hmm. That, you know, you could carry a movie. You had a way of managing yourself on there. Your comedy was tight. You all right? Right. You got to go? Sure. <laughs> Can we talk for a few more minutes, get up to the, the current? No, you went everywhere there is to go. Yeah. Without today. Uh-huh. Well, we're, not, we're almost. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I, I, I want to know more about um, the, the, the building of what you became as a comedic performer. You got 20 hours? Yeah, I do. <clears throat> you? No. Well, you want to move up to uh, teaching? I was curious. I, I, I know you taught at USC. I don't want to move anywhere. I've been sitting here a half hour. Yeah. And that's it. We're done? Yep. Okay. Well, it was good talking to you, and I like the new movie. Chris, if I, thank you. If I didn't have the rundown I've got to work today, I'd stay with you, but I can't. Okay, Mr. Lewis, I appreciate your time, and I like the new film. Thank you. I appreciate that, and I hope all of your your gigs are great. Oh, you too. Okay. All right. Thank you. Rest in peace, Jerry. No one's going to bother you anymore. <laughs>